welcome to the Helping Families Be Happy podcast, where we explore the often messy world of family love and relationships. I'm your host for this podcast, Christopher Robbins, husband, father of nine, founder of the last fly fisherman and sometime musician living in the beautiful California Central Valley. We are thrilled to introduce today's guest, Karen Kleiman. Now, Karen Kleiman is a well-known international maternal mental health expert with over 35 years of experience. As an advocate and author of several groundbreaking books on postpartum depression and anxiety, her work has been featured on the internet and within the mental health community for decades. In 1988, Karen founded the Postpartum Stress Center, a treatment and training facility for prenatal and postpartum depression and anxiety. In 2022, she founded the Karen Climate Training Center, LLC, which is dedicated to the advancement of clinical expertise and the therapeutic strategies for the treatment of perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. All advanced trainings are heavily influenced by the art of holding perinatal women in distress, trademarked model of intervention created by Karen Kleiman. She's the author of the best-selling Good Moms Have Scary Thoughts, A Healing Guide to the Secret Fears of New Mothers, and What About Us? A New Parent's Guide to Safeguarding Your Overanxious, Overextended, Sleep-Deprived Relationship, both published by Finlayas. Today, we're discussing maternal mental health. The information shared aligns with the familiar habits, heal together, and learn together. You can learn more about the familiar 10 habits of happy families by going to the Habit Hub blog on familias.com. Now, Karen, thank you for taking time out of your busy life for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. So let's begin with the story. You know, you heard at the beginning that I have nine children. That's I all I heard. <laughs> I don't remember which child this was, but it was, we'd been married, my wife and I have been married for over 30 years, and it was at least 20 years into our relationship, where she shared with me that there was a period of our marriage after she had had one of our children that she was in deep depression, and I never knew this. She never told me. She seemed like she was functioning, but I had no idea, and we then started healing from that process i i it was as much I, I felt very sad to know that my wife had been struggling with depression after one of our children because i never knew so i remember something you said to me you said that we've been making progress in helping women talk about this issue but and you keep repeating the same message so i guess i'm wondering are we succeeding are we just repeating what what do we need to know you have to go back to what you just said, because what you, the story you just told is profoundly important because that describes the quintessential conundrum is that women are suffering and not talking about it. And they are not telling people who are, they, who are closest to them. And they are so, often so good at looking good. and faking it and pretending they're okay for many, 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 many reasons. They don't want to identify with not being an okay mom. And there's such a stigma attached to it that they're afraid if they say out loud to their husband, to their doctor, to their mother, to their neighbor, I don't feel good. Something's not right. Or I feel impaired in my relationship or whatever with my baby. All kinds of catastrophic thoughts come to her mind. So she shuts down 
and gets through the day without telling people. The fact that she was successful at this, your wife, and that you didn't know how bad she felt is, is some, a story that can resonate for a lot of people listening and a lot of partners who said, I have no idea you felt so bad. Christopher, I don't know if you know this story because I, I tell it all the time when I'm teaching or, or training, but when I first started this work, literally it was almost 40 years ago and I, and I put out a little ad in the local paper and I, I said I was researching postpartum depression if you had a baby and didn't like the way you felt to let me know, come for an interview. And I got three responses and two of these three women were over 70 years old. I joke now because that sounded really old at the time for me now that I'm almost 70 years old. It doesn't sound so old anymore. And they came to me and said separately, they both told stories of not feeling good after they had their baby some 50 years prior and not telling anybody and sitting alone in the darkness with their shame, with their pain, with their sadness and their grief. Didn't tell their husbands, didn't tell their doctors, didn't tell anyone. and emerged later and never told anyone, honest to God, that's why I do this work today. Because these two women separately said, you are the first person I told how bad I feel. So I feel like this work sort of came to me when people say, well, how did you get into this? And I was, to this day, I get the chills when I think of these two women holding that to themselves their entire lives and not knowing how to say what they needed to say for fear that they would be labeled the bad mother, that their baby would be taken away, they'd be locked up forever, so forth. And it's not that different today. So back to your next question. It's not that different today. We've made great strides and we've got super momentum in the right direction. We've got advocacy and legislative changes and we've got collective outcries and we're we're talking about it. We're talking about postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, postpartum psychosis, we're talking about women still aren't telling us how bad they feel. Providers still are not asking the right questions. Babies are still dying. Mothers are still dying. So here we are. We are in a better place because we have created, I hope we are creating safe places for women to learn to go to, so where they will be heard and safe. But there is still a lot of misinformation and women are really afraid to say it out loud. Okay. So let's figure out for our audience some things that we can do. So obviously we have your, your books and, and many of these people have access to, to professional help to guide them. But uh-huh. let's, let's start with their closest family members. How can we recognize and help our, these mothers that are in our lives? who might be struggling? How can we recognize that? And what can we do? Great question. So the obvious, simple answer is to change our language. And that is, we need to stop tiptoeing around it. You know, are you okay? Or, you know, how's it? Did you sleep last night? We need to talk about postpartum depression. We need to, moms need to feel comfortable saying, I don't like the way I feel. What's wrong? I don't know. Well, do you think you want to talk to your doctor? Talk to the doctor about these words. I might have symptoms of postpartum depression. Can we talk about that? I might not. I might not. And one of the hard parts about this, and I don't know how much you want to go into this, you know, diagnostically, is that there is an overlap of what we can expect normally during the postpartum period. I mean, for goodness sakes, you saw it nine times, right? So there are these normal 
hormonal changes and sleep deprivation and all these things that contribute to a mom's moodiness. But for the first few weeks, we expect there to be some of this. And so we don't want moms to have to diagnose themselves, but we do want to call attention to the fact that there are people who can help her figure out if what she's feeling is okay or not. For partners, we always urge them to check in, literally, are you okay? Are you getting enough sleep? Is there something that I can do to to help you more than what I'm already doing? Are you worried about anything that you're feeling? Is And again, the words postpartum depression mean different things to different people, but it's a real thing. Let's make sure you don't have postpartum depression. Let's talk to your doctor if you don't like the way you're feeling. We need to pay attention to it and not just assume that, oh, you're a new mom. And so that's why you're crying every day or, oh, you know, all new moms feel this way. In our effort to reassure her, sometimes we patronize her and then she shuts down and doesn't really tell us how bad she's feeling. Does that make sense? Well, okay. So let me ask two questions about what you just said. The first question is in your book, Good Moms Have Scary Thoughts, it's filled with illustrations where someone says, well, how are you doing? Are you okay? And the mother says, I'm doing fine. But then there's a speech bubble where she communicates that she hasn't slept for two days. She hasn't had a shower. She's feeling tr- that but totally sad. She's got to be the worst mother ever. So there's asking and getting a response, but that's not the true response. And then, well, maybe we Wait, start with that. Yeah, let's do that because I'm going to forget. Yes, because sometimes on social media, some of the comments that I get, it's funny because to that illustration that you're talking about, which is the one that went viral that got us started on wanting to put this in a book in the first place, uh, either one side of the comments is always, oh my God, yes, that's me. I, I have all these things and I can't ask for what I need. I don't know how to get help. But the flip side is sort of the partner saying, I asked you, why aren't you telling me? Don't tell me you're fine if you've got all these needs that you're not sharing with me. What makes that complicated is that what postpartum women will tell you is it's just not that simple to say, I need help. It depends on who's asking. It depends on what it is that you think that you need. It depends on how you think that information is going to be perceived or responded to. So if person, you know, if it's me and it's my husband and I think he loves me and he thinks he'll do whatever I want, maybe I'll tell him that. I need some sleep and I need some cookies and take the baby away and I and leave me alone for three days. But it's really hard to ask for help. It's a little bit of all of that. Are we asking the right questions and are you telling us how you really, really feel? And the mission that Good Moms, the illustrations came out of the Speak the Secret campaign. That's how the book got together was we started this, the hashtag Speak the Secret. You need to tell us. We can't help you if you don't tell us. And then she needs to trust us. So it depends on the relationship. And then we have to, moms have to start to take the risk of saying what they need. It's hard to be vulnerable when you're a new mom. It's hard to say out loud when you're taking care of an, an infant that you need something too. So can you help us as husbands, as children, grown children, as you know, parents or as in-laws, close friends, know what to ask? And when they give us that patent response, oh, I'm doing great, how to then, without offending, or how to ask the net follow-up questions to make sure the person is speaking the secret and telling us the truth? So first of all, depending on your relationship, again, I would say at first, 
don't ask. Just be there. Just bring food. Take the kids and let mom rest. Give her your time and yourself. Go grocery shopping for her and bring it. No, I don't want anything. Not I'm doing it anyway, you know. So again, depending on your relationship, you should just give her some of these things. And then to the bigger, more complicated question, are you okay? Yes, I'm fine. Are you really? Yes, I'm fine. Put your phone down. Look at me. I love you. I care about you. I want to know how you feel. Mm -hmm. I'm okay. Well, yesterday you didn't seem okay. And I'm a little worried. Talk to me. And so there's a leaning in and there's the message of, I can take it. I love you. I can tolerate your anxiety or your sadness. It's okay. I'm not going to judge you. But all that has to either be implicit or explicit. Or remember that what's guiding this is not just the relationship or the cultural expectations. What's guiding this is her own expectations. And that's often gets in the way no matter what you say. (laughs) She wants to be a good mom. She wants to look good, sound good, be good. She wants to be on top of things, in control. And she may say, I'm fine 18 times before she admits that she's not okay. So all we can do is be present. All we can do is be there. It's one of the things I tell husbands a lot. And they're like, what? What does that mean? Be there. What does that mean? It means you can't fix it. You can't do anything. You can't make it go away. Sit with her. Literally sit with her. It's a hard concept for a lot of men. No offense. This is sort of gender biased. I, you know, I don't want to insult anybody, but women know by nature they can go over to a girlfriend's house and sit there and not do anything and be there. And women are intrinsically better doing it. Men are like, what, what should I do now that I'm here? How can I help? And, we want to fix it. That's of course. Our interest is, well, let me get some tools out. Let of me course. fix it. Wait, here, let me fix it. Right, right. Of course you do. But the problem is she doesn't know what to ask for. She doesn't know what to say. She doesn't know how to help you help her. Right. So you have to be with, I'm here. I'm here with you, babe. I'm here. When you know what it is you need, you tell me. But in the meantime, I'm going to do this for you. And I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do that. Be there. Be there. That reminds me of, we have this wonderful book called written by Melissa Bradford, Dalton, Melissa Dalton Bradford. She, the first one was Global Mom, and the next one was On Lost Living Honored. She lost a, her son, and she said the most important thing she ever heard when people were in mourning was to show up and shut up. And maybe I think you're probably telling us the same thing. Same thing, same thing. <laughs> show up. Yeah. And... I was going to say in therapy, the way, what we call that is we say show up and throw up. When you come to therapy, just let it, just bring it all out, bring it all out. We can take it. We can sit in that mess. But you know what, Christopher, can I give you a little picture and a little visual that may help this last piece? One of the, what I describe to families is this, to couples, to fathers, is this. So imagine that mom doesn't feel good. Your wife is sitting at the bottom of a deep hole and she's literally sitting down there. And the husband is loving and caring and attentive and he's leaning down. And his arms stretching as far as he can. Come on, babe. Come on. Reach for my hand. And they're this far apart. And he says, reach for my hand. And she's sitting there. And he's like, come on, honey. I love you. Come, 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 come. And he's stretching as far as he can. And she can't move. And so he says to me, metaphorically, you know, I'm doing everything I know how to do. And I say, stop reaching your hand down there. Go down 
in the hole and sit there with her. Well, wait, what do I do when I'm there? Sit there with her. And when she feels supported, she will have the strength to come up with you. And that's sort of a disconnect when super wonderful, attentive husbands are not able to quite get there with with their wives. Okay, does that describe it a little bit for you? It does. It really, it sounds like we need to be there and be patient and just be there for when they're ready to. Well, it's not just when they're ready. Make no mistake about it. There is an active exchange of energy when you're sitting there with her doing nothing. She's getting filled up. Hmm. Something's happening that enables her to go. I think that is hard for men, again, to be somewhat gender biased. It's hard for us to understand that. Um, No, let me put it out there for the real world. I've been married for 40 years to the most amazing man in the entire world. Everybody would want to be married to this man. He doesn't know what this means. (laughs) He doesn't know what this means. He's like, what do you want? I'm like, go away. I don't know. If I have to tell you, then I don't want it. Okay, so so the message says is, is be there. Get down in the hole. Don't try to fix anything. Just be there. And that by doing that, that helps. Yes, but Christopher, if you're there with your rolling, if you're there rolling your eyes or you're there looking at your watch or you're there looking at your phone, it doesn't work. You have to be there with the intention and your love and your presence that I will sit here for as long as I have to until you're ready. And that's what gets translated to her. We could probably practice that in many aspects of our lives with those around. We probably could. (laughs) And that's really, I heard someone say to me once, he said, whenever you meet someone, imagine that when you meet people, imagine that at least 50% of them have something really, really difficult going on in their life. And he said, and that estimate is probably really low. Yeah, it's true. Okay, so we've talked a lot about families, particularly their husbands or partners and how they can help. Let's talk about the person going through postpartum depression. So how does she know that she needs help? And what does she need to know? So as we said, some of this overlaps with normal postpartum expectations that moms are going to feed that are more normal. And how does she know we use a measure of distress? Frequency, duration, and intensity. So it's not just what she's feeling. It's how bad is she feeling it? How much does it interfere? How long has this been going on? For example, all new moms cry. Every single new mom cries. Weepy, hormonal changes. We're just We're just crying. My mother made me a little sandwich with little cut up cucumbers and cut it into four little things. And I'm like, oh my God, that's so cute. And I just started sobbing, you know, three days postpartum. She's like, why are you crying? I'm like, I don't know. So all new moms cry. But what we want to pay attention to, for example, is how much are you crying? How many times during the day are you crying? How much, how long has this been going on? This is, you know, you're seven weeks postpartum, too long. That's too much crying. So these are sort of the external measures that we use. Does it interfere with your ability to function? Does it interfere with your ability to get through the day? Does it interfere with your expectations of who you thought you'd be at this time? And that's why we say suffering is subjective. What's what she's suffering with is not I wouldn't suffer with what I'm suffering with. Somebody else wouldn't suffer from. So 
the measure is really your ability to either, I don't want to say tolerate because then it feels like you should power through. But if the symptoms are interfering with your ability to get through the day, then you need more support and you need to let somebody know. Okay. So that's helpful. And when they're ready to get some help, what resources should they know about? Well, funny you should say, and I'm not kidding. I'm not just a plant, but I do want to tell you that my very favorite thing about Good Moms book, the book, and I love every book that I've written, but this is by far my heart because not only are the illustrations incredibly relatable, Molly McIntyre did such a great job translating my words into images. And yes, we have the expert text about what's going on. And then we've got the little journal prompts that help mom activate some of this. And, and we actually have some of these exercises like, how long have you been crying? And how long has this been going on? And is it interfering with your day? And so this book for me really marks, it creates a resource that moms can use to help themselves feel better, even if they can't get to professional help, or even if they have to wait four weeks to get to see somebody. It's just so horrible now. You know, it's so hard to get the support that you need, but there's a lot jam packed into this little book so that she can actually start to feel better. It depends on who moms are connected to their health. Any healthcare provider should be able to provide mom with some local resources for, for support. And if not, they should look in the back of the book because we got a whole list of resources. Okay. That's again, helpful. We've covered a lot of things today. Is there anything that at the end of this podcast that you, that we didn't cover that you feel like this audience and Christopher, you need to know this? Oh my gosh, there's so many things. I guess one of the things that I always say is that the hardest thing about the feelings associated with postpartum depression is that they don't feel like symptoms. They feel like who you are. They feel like when you have symptoms, you know, it hurts to swallow. I have a headache. I have a stomach ache. I have a sore throat. We know we go to the doctor, we get symptom relief. But when you have symptoms of postpartum depression, they manifest like, I don't like my baby, or I can't leave my baby alone, or I shouldn't have done, I shouldn't have had this baby. I made a terrible mistake. My husband's going to leave me. And so we feel broken. We feel like we did something wrong. And so the shame attached to it keeps us quiet. It keeps us silent. It keeps us from reaching out for help. And I want to say to moms that for decades, I've been saying it's okay to not feel good and be a really great mom. And good moms do have scary thoughts. And we aren't worried about the scary thoughts you're having that are driven by your anxiety and your sleeplessness and your overvigilance and your over worry. We aren't worried about the scary thoughts, but you are, she is. And so come to us and tell us what scares you and tell us what you're feeling. Find somebody who's well-trained and who is well-educated about the perinatal population, pregnancy and postpartum, and let us help you because it's not about you. It's not about the kind of mom you are. It's about some symptoms that you're having and it's extremely treatable. Okay. That is good news and very helpful. So Karen, thanks so much for your time today. As always, you have so much to teach us and what you're doing is so important. Where can our guests find you online? 
Our website is postpartumstress.com and there's self-help information for mom. There's a lot of information about the training center for professionals and Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Okay. All social media channels. You name it. Very good. Well, as we conclude today's podcast, we'd like to thank Familias for the support in bringing the podcast to your ears and your heart. We'd be thrilled if you subscribe to the podcast and left us a review. And when you're ready for that next important book adventure, we'd be honored if you chose a book from Familias. One step at a time, one book at a time, we can make the world a happier place. <laughs>